Good morning, everyone. <laughs> We're glad that you're here. And um, I'm going to start by reading Psalm 18, um, just like the first part of it in the Passion Version. Um, Lord, I passionately love you, and I'm bonded to you. For now you've become my power. You're as real to me as the bedrock beneath my feet, like a castle on a cliff, my forever firm fortress, my mountain of hiding, my pathway of escape, my tower of rescue where none can reach me, my secret strength and shield around me. You are salvation's ray of brightness shining on the hillside, always the champion of my cause. All I need to do is to call on you, singing to you, the praiseworthy God. When I do, I'm safe and sound in you. Um, and our prayer is that you would find yourself interrupted by just the love and grace of Jesus this morning. Um, just um, a couple quick announcements. We're shifting the way we're doing announcements. So if you would check your bulletin. And also if you haven't signed up for the Reconnect, if you would sign up for that, that's your best ways to kind of know what's happening. Um, but we do have our check-ins. And so if you have a Facebook account and you check in using the hashtag RegenGives, that's going to generate a donation to Smarts, which um, Lindsay Goosens is a part of. Um, but part of our what we want to do with our announcements is to shift it just a little more to hearing people's stories. And so I've asked Josh Hill uh, to come up and just share with us briefly. Uh, last year, Josh came and helped with our summit Thanksgiving dinner. So I asked him just to come and share a little bit about that experience and um, why that was important to him and what he kind of benefited from. I don't know if he wanted. Josh took off work. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good? Okay. Sorry. Microphones and I don't get along still. Um, so last year I volunteered um, to help with the Summit Thanksgiving dinner, and it was a really, really, really fun and personal experience. Um, if you can't take the day off like I did, um, Monday, Monday, right? Uh, Monday night is a really cool, like, behind the scenes because you were prepping everything, we're writing notes to kids, which is my favorite part. Um, these kids don't have a lot. You can see that when they walk in. So, you know, whether they take the message or not, that's written. I, I think that, you know, that can speak to some kids, especially if they're not getting the words that they need. Um, but, yeah, it, it was fun. It was chaotic. You know, the day of, kids are coming in. Um, very polite kids. Very polite. I mean, everyone was like, thank you so much. Thank you. They came up for seconds and thirds. So I don't think we had much left over, which was really good. Um, but join us. Um, it was fun. It was very heartfelt. So, yeah, do it. <laughs> All right, and then Zach's going to come pray for our offering. Hey, guys, I'm Zach. If you didn't know, um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to pass these around here in a moment. Um, so if you guys are going to be giving today, there's some instructions on your little envelopes there on how to do that. But before I do that, let's uh, just go ahead and pray. Hey, Father, uh, thank you for uh, giving us this day. Um, um, thank you for the words that we're going to hear today, the words that we're going to sing to praise your name and to praise your son, Jesus Christ. 
God, I just pray that you continue to fill us and you continue to provide for us in some ways that may be invisible to us, but also in ways that we can really see and, and realize the power that you have. Um, God, I pray that our church family here grows um, in love and size. Um, and God, just let that, uh, let that happen through us, work through us, Lord. So I pray that in Jesus' name. Yeah, Father, our earnest desire is to make you big in this place for your glory uh, to be highlighted here among us. And so um, that's even the spirit with which we're coming at this series, God, that in the midst of our hot mess and conflict and difficulty, that there just be more room for you. And so, God, uh, be with us. Help us to hear from you today. Help us to hear good news. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, when the bannings are gone, it's like there's not any kids that wanted to go back with this Candace K through six, but if not, we're just going to hang out and do this. Um, yeah, welcome to Regen. My name's Kyle. I get to be, Candace gets to sit in church for like the first time, like I think for like nine months. Um, yeah, welcome to Regen. My name's Kyle. I get to be the pastor here and super thankful for you. Um, immediately after worship, we're having our next Discover event that has to do with Discover Your Identity. So the way God builds his kingdom is that uh, when we come to faith in Jesus, it's more than just a religion. It's a whole rebuilding of our entire identity. And Zach has a really practical tool that we'll just kind of process about for 45 minutes after worship about what that looks like. So if you're planning on staying, hang out for that. Lunch is provided. I made a big just mess of chili, and if we need to, we can like order pizzas or something. So that's uh, going on. I was trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to tell you. Maybe this, lest I forget. Um, Christmas candlelight. Yes, it's possible to be talking about that at this point. Um, if you're new to Regen, um, we do our Christmas Eve service the Sunday night before Christmas Eve, which just so happens this year to be on Sunday evening, December 23rd at 6 p.m. So plan on being there. It's one of our biggest services of the year. So we'll have worship that morning and that night. So you'll get a really extra big boost to Jesus. You probably will only need to come to church like half of 2019, which is really, you know, great. So um, we're in this series called Hot Mess. And one of the things I'm trying to do as, our, as your pastor is push us more toward practical stuff. So this, there's been this interesting thing happening as I've been writing our sermons where I've been starting with the practical pieces before uh, getting kind of to the theory. And that's because, especially when it comes to something like hot mess, which we're all in, we get into these moments in our marriages as we're parenting, with our, with our parents as we're adults, at, at work, all these different places, even at church. We get in these hot messes. And, and though I often tend to preach in a way that attacks at the level of your like beliefs or your ideas about who God is, if we don't really get super practical and, and as we unpack this stuff, we're really missing the boat. So that's why this series has been so practical. Um, and uh, we're going to post this week just some more. We posted in the Reconnect, that blog that had some really helpful content about the way to have a crucial conversation. Um, but this morning, I want to give you a different tool. Uh, and it's a tool that we talk about a lot here at Regen. It's a, it, it's a tool about how Jesus operates as he makes disciples. And it's just how Jesus even operates in relationship. There's this story in the Gospel of John, the eighth chapter, where Jesus is kind of confronted with, um, by the, he's confronted by the religious leaders 
and the people of his day, and they drag before him a woman who has committed adultery, an adulterous woman. And so they try, they're trying to trap Jesus into saying something with which they can accuse him. And Jesus does this thing that Jesus does really well. He kind of manages to slip out of their grip and sidestep and, and do all of these things. And Jesus does this by taking this whole crowd of people who are ready to stone this adulterous woman, that's the penalty for it in the law, ready to stone this adulterous woman. He says, okay, let you who is, let you who is without sin cast the first stone. In other words, if you're sinless, feel free to cast the stone at this woman. And one by one, all of these people that have accused this woman walk away because they can't accuse her. They're, they're sinful, as we all are. And so then this thing happens in John 8 where Jesus says, where are your accusers? He says to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And, and, and she says, no, no, Lord. And so he says, neither do I go and sin no more. That little phrase, neither do I go and sin no more, is a really great encapsulation of how Jesus is always operating but with invitation and challenge. And we can tend to think of this as a spectrum because some of us in the room, by our natural bent, are more on the invitation side of things. Some of us, by our natural bent, are more on the challenge side of things. It's just part of how the universe works, and I get that. But what Jesus is always doing in a way that really we can't is bringing invitation and challenge together in a way that really is perfect, and he does that. He says invitationally to this woman, hey, I don't condemn you either. Invitation is grace and kindness and patience. But then he says, go and sin no more. Not like you get a couple more times and then we're going to get serious right? He says, go and sin no more. That's a high challenge bar that he sets there. And, and what we're called to do as disciples of Jesus is to also embody this, this lifestyle of invitation and challenge, and for that to even kind of take over our whole church. So you can kind of double click on this and make a matrix where that vertical axis, vertical is your fancy word for straight up and down, my friends, uh, says high invitation, low invitation. And then that horizontal line, Low challenge, high challenge. And our call as disciples of Jesus is to kind of embody that type top right quadrant where we're using high invitation and high challenge. But we often fall off to one side or the other. You know, a church that is low challenge but with a lot of invitation, there's a lot of snuggling. I don't know if you can see that, but it says a cozy culture, right? Because we're always just praising each other and hugging each other and patting each other on the back and it's super sweet and super tender. What's that? Do we have handouts? Candace has handouts, so this is great. There, you guys will get to have some of this for yourself. Um, that has some good stuff. So we can get in this cozy culture where we're just snuggling and everybody's happy and everybody's wonderful. On the other hand, if there's a culture where there's a lot of challenge and not a lot of invitation, what you have right there, my friends, is a stressed culture. As soon as I was talking about this in our last service, something super, does everybody get one of those? Did everybody get handouts? They might have been in your program. It was in the program, handouts, handouts. As soon as we were talking about this at the last uh, service, Steph's alarm uh, went off at 10.03 a.m. Some of us are praying right now every day at 10.03 a.m. for people of peace. And uh, I said, if we were a stressed out culture, we'd all be yelling at her when this was happening, right? A high challenge culture. How could you? I I've served in churches that are high stress. They're not fun because you never feel good enough. Um, and especially when you think about hot mess and engaging in those conflict conversations in a high challenge culture, all we're doing is correcting each other left and right. 
Now, our goal is to be in that upper right, but sometimes you get churches or organizations or even people that have low challenge and low invitation. They're like those people that when you reach out your hand and you want to shake somebody's hand, what they offer you is like a limp fish. It's a boring, boring culture. A church without any invitation, without any love or fellowship or comfort, a church without any challenge, without truth or, cha- or encouragement or exhortation is a boring culture, even a dead culture. But our goal is to end up in this empowering culture. In our families, our goal is to raise our kids in a way that empowers them by calibrating invitation and challenge. In our marriages, we want to calibrate invitation and challenges so that we're empowering one another to be living fruitfully and not holding each other back or pushing each other down. A lot of us kind of tend, I would say in our church, we're a little bit different. I would say at Grace Campus, it's about 75% of people there are high invitation. I would say it's probably 60 to 70% here are high invitation. And uh, because we feel like that's what Jesus wants. We feel like we, he wants this coziness. But if we're going to get over here into this empowering culture in our families, and our workplaces, even as we do this, we have to kind of make a shift. So Dan, go to that next one for me. What we need... Uh, to get from a cozy culture to an empowering culture is we have to kind of step down into this stress culture. And I don't know if you can see this little U-shape, but we call this U-shape something fun. We call this the valley of the shadow of death, okay? The valley of the shadow of death is what happens when we take a cozy culture in our families or in our churches and start moving toward an empowering culture. If you're a high-challenge person, you don't just notch up You have to kind of go into the cozy culture, and we call that little move having ice cream parties, right? Some of us that are more high challenge, I'm learning this. I think I tend to be, I don't know if you've noticed this in my teaching, especially I tend to be pretty high challenge. So I'm trying to learn how to be a little more like consistent in my offerings of invitation and challenge, which means I'm really having to learn how to give people ice cream when really what I want to do is just smack them. You know what I mean? And what we see is it's not about balancing. Balance is actually not, we're going to talk about this when we get into this Jesus in the New Age. Balance is an Eastern idea. The, the, the word balance is not really a word that's given to us in the biblical vocabulary. It's really about focus and calibration because Jesus is doing both of these things perfectly. So if we're going to calibrate our families to have a high invitation, high challenge, empowering culture, go to that next one for me, Dan. We're really going to be ping-ponging back and forth as we grow that culture, aren't we? We're going to be sometimes leaning toward invitation, sometimes leaning toward challenge. And as we do both and calibrate both, we're moving into this culture of empowerment and releasing. We want, we want as kids, this is something somebody that's mentoring us said recently, we want to love our kids like we won't have them tomorrow. We want to equip our kids like they won't have us tomorrow. We want to raise our kids. This is how I pastor you. I want to I wanna love you like I'm not going to have you tomorrow. I want to equip you like I'm going to be gone tomorrow, right? Because I want to empower you and release you to be kingdom citizens and kingdom people. And so the reason I'm bringing all this up, which is kind of complex, I wanted to give you the whole picture, but this is the question I'm saying. When you find yourself in a hot mess, when you find yourself in a sticky place at work or at home, the question you need to ask yourself is, do I need more invitation or more challenge? In this conversation I'm having with my spouse, does it require more invitation or does it require more challenge? This conversation I'm having with my kids, more invitation or more challenge? I mean, that was even some of our conversation yesterday. We were having a, in this parenting marriage book club kind of talking about what's the place of like, where, how do I do that well in this particular situation? Um, at work, when you have a coworker that's driving you nuts, 
Do they need more invitation or do they need more challenge? And I'll tell you what I've learned, just as a general rule. When my gut instinct says this person needs more challenge, I'm wrong nine times out of 10. Really what they need is more invitation. When I, I mean, when I am ready to like come down the mountain at somebody because I just can't handle it anymore, what I often think is I need more invitation. I, it, it's the opposite. On the other hand, when I'm thinking, I'll just overlook this, I just need to give more invitation, the reality is I'm starting to be avoidant and I need to offer more challenge. And so you kind of can look at this spectrum to kind of use some other words, but you know, invitation is offering grace in a hot mess. Invitation is overlooking something in a hot mess. Um, it's maybe offering more time and patience to a person to figure it out. It's, it's listening, it's understanding, it's asking questions. That's what invitation looks like is we're in this. You know, you're in a tricky spot with your spouse, you're in a tricky spot with a friend. Maybe what they don't need is for you to point out their flaw. Maybe what they, but maybe what they need is for you to really understand where they're coming from. But eventually there's also some time for challenge that we need to speak some truth we need to offer an exhortation, which is a fancy Christian word for kind of like calling somebody to, to repentance. We need to rebuke. We need to correct. Now, here's how you know if, you're a, if you tend toward invitation. If the words on the right side, like correction and rebuke, like kind of make you want to crawl under your chair, you're probably high invitation. But if you're like, yeah, rebuke, more of that, right? You're high challenge, right? And, and the goal isn't, again, if you're on the high invitation side, it's not, I need to be more like this. The goal is, how am I calibrating both of these? How am I bringing both invitation and challenge to the hot mess I'm in? We're going to finish the hot mess series actually next week. I thought today would be the last day. And I uh, was doing some wrestling with the Lord in a moment of worship this week. And the Lord was like, yeah, there's still some things that we need to hit. So we're going to do that next week. I'm hoping that sounds like good news because somebody's going to like Thanksgiving dinner next week and like has a crazy uncle that's going to say something about the president that's going to tick you off, right? So how do we navigate that will hopefully help. Today though, um, I, I wanted to do something where, again, trying to be practical, I wanted to give you some examples of some people who do this well. Um, and so I started writing on the back of a napkin who in our community is good at these things. And... Uh, and uh, so we started kind of thinking about that. And then, um, you know, I wrote some names on the back of a napkin. I sent some texts out. The napkin and my list and their lists kind of agreed. Um, and so I've asked Steph and Jenna Byler from our campus and then friends from our other campus, Grace, Dan Drescher and Ross Williams to kind of come. And we're going to do a little bit of a panel discussion on what it looks like to get out of the hot mess. So why don't you guys come on up? Um, I, young Dan, can you do me a favor, please, and get me one more folding chair? out of the hallway, because I got four and there's five of us, and I think it would be weird if Steph sat on my lap this whole time. So guys, come on up, we're gonna take seats here. Um, and so Dan, we're gonna be kind of using all those mics too, so. Um, um, let me, panels are something we do every once in a blue moon at Regen, just to kind of give some other voices, because I think the other thing is, you know, Really, I'm not good at the hot mess. Oh, see, I get a special one. Thank you, because I am, I am the pastor. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not the best at this by any means. I think there's some people that are good at this. In fact, um, halfway through the panel at the last campus, I realized that what qualified all these people to sit here uh, was that they've all had hard conversations with me. <laughs> uh, and so I thought that was good. 
Um, and so uh, I've got some questions that I've prepared. We're going to do this for about 25 minutes and then go on from there. So is everybody's mic ready to go? Um, so just kind of starting out, um, are you guys figuring out your mic situation down there? You all good? Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jenna. That's nice. Okay. Um, after hearing this little talk on invitation and challenge, would you say that you tend to lean toward invitation or challenge more? So whoever wants to jump in on that can jump in on that. Definitely invitation. Hello. Yeah. Definitely invitation. Okay. Jenna's going to be the lone voice in the wilderness, just plot twist. So. Um, yeah, I would say I tend more towards challenge. I think it's something I've learned to calibrate better, but um, definitely if there's a way that I've fallen off on the wrong side, it's been challenge. Okay. I would say for myself, being in business in the earlier years, I was a lot more invitation, but as you kind of grow and mature, then you get a little more on the challenge side and find that people do respond to challenge and invitation, uh, sometimes in unexpected ways. Hmm. Um, I think that, you know, as you approach um, certain situations or people, I think that um, as the conversation evolves and, you know, going into it, you may have some idea of, of where you're going or you may pray about it and have some spiritual insight, but as it develops, you kind of get an idea of uh, where the the person might be um, uh, as far as ready to accept challenge. Mm -hmm. And so, you, you know, in my case, I think I always start with invitation um, and then um, move in that direction and, and kind of feel a level of where uh, the person might be comfortable with challenge. Hmm. Great. Um, if you don't know Dan and Ross, by the way, our friends here on your left, um, really very much spiritual fathers and their wives' mothers to Steph and I and the work we do together at Grace Campus and have really come to value just their wisdom and they've been doing this longer than me, so that's why. And um, So let me ask you this question. Why is the discipline of confrontation, leaning into these hard conversations, why is the discipline of confrontation so important to Jesus? <laughs> I would just offer, I mean, we all know Jesus wants us to have relationships with each other. You know, he's called us into more than just the surface kind of conversation, more into deeper conversations about Scripture, about Jesus, about uh, the Scripture tells us to uh, confess our sins one to another. So Jesus wants us to grow into much deeper relationships. So obviously it's very important to him that our relationships are well and not ill um, mm. because uh, a restored relationship is priceless to Jesus. He wants us to have a great relationship. That's why scripture talks about we're called to a ministry of reconciliation. And uh, that's just not only calling people to Christ to restore a relationship to God the Father and to Jesus, but to each other. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, when I hear the question, you know, why is uh, confrontation important to Jesus, um, the scripture that comes to mind is that you are the salt of the earth. And the salt of the earth is, what, what is meant by that scripture is that we are to be the challenge 
to the world. Uh, without confrontation, how can you challenge? You know, every every war begins with a with the for the first battle. You know, and every every confrontation uh, grows out of the Holy Spirit. You know, speaking to us to speak to other people, and sometimes that's a hard thing to do, and <clears throat> sometimes it really doesn't even feel like it takes the form of confrontation. Um, but somewhere along the way, uh, you know, there's going to be some hard truths to be spoken, and that's what makes us the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. And Jesus did that a lot. Mm-hmm. Ladies, between. Um, yeah, so I, I was thinking about this, and I actually refer to um, any, any scripture that points to what it means to love, because I do think reconciliation is a per, like a perfect word that I would use too, but I also think that God calls us to love, and do we even really know how to love well without sometimes that challenging like a conflict or challenging conversation and so i think in our culture we tend to use the first corinthians scripture love is patient kind yada yada um as a reflection of marriage um but i think the most interesting sentence out of that piece of scripture is that it keeps no record of wrongdoing which Hmm. i think is such a useful piece at least for me um because when i finally, as an invitational person, will get the courage to have a challenging conversation. Um, sometimes it takes uh, kind of building up um, what the challenge is. And so to have the, the, to be pointed to scripture where it says to keep no record of wrongdoing, I think that is something that is super helpful uh, when I'm considering what Jesus would do. Hmm. I think you, you kind of talk about being a more invitational person you know, it kind of maybe takes you some time to build up into that. And I was thinking a little bit about, you know, I think invitational people, and, and I do this a lot actually, is try to overlook, right? So I'm going to overlook, I'm going to overlook that, and I'm not going to have that conversation, or I'm going to turn the other cheek. There's a lot of Christian language that we can use. But I think what actually I find often, I'm saying that I'm going to overlook, I'm saying I'm going to move on, but I haven't. So what's the difference, do you all think, between avoiding conflict and overlooking conflict? And how do I know? Yeah. I I said, like, I think think we all do that, right? Like, there's certain people we just don't want to have to have that conversation with, or maybe we've had them in the past and they haven't gone well. Um, And so for me, um, part of it is, um, like, a day or two later, is it still there? Um, Do I want to talk to other people about it to, like, justify my position Um, am I thinking about it in the middle of the night? Like, is it still evoking a really strong emotional response to me after I've kind of prayed about it and tried to let it go? Um, and so for me, those are some pretty key signs I found that like I'm not overlooking and that actually I'm just trying to be avoidant of the conversation. Um, and I think especially if that lingers over time, you know, it may take you like a day or two to kind of process something and decide like, yeah, that's just not really that big of a deal. Um, or, you know, like, it really did wound me or it was very sinful. Like, there was actually something there that needed to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree with that. I actually wrote down the word tension because I feel like when you're still living with tension in your heart about something and it's taking you effort to overlook or look away, that's definitely avoiding in, mm-hmm. in my mind. We all want to avoid, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Given the choice. <laughs> yeah, we all, 
Yeah, we'd rather have it fix itself, but um, uh, it's just, we can all be challenged, not only in a conversation do we challenge others, but we can challenge ourselves to enter into the conversation. I think of an occasion uh, some years ago where there was an employee at work who had conflict with another person at work, and I just wasn't really sure how to handle that situation. But fortunately, the person I had to talk to, I knew they had a Christian background. And I thought of the scripture out of Esther where Mordecai tells Esther, uh, who knows that you weren't put in this position for such a time as this. And as I went into that conversation, I took it as a real challenge on myself uh, that I'm called to that situation. But then I also took and invited the person I was talking to to the challenge of that same scripture. Who knows that you weren't called to such a time as this in order to be forgiving uh, to be loving, to be accepting, to um, uh, or ask forgiveness. Uh, we all need that challenge in in the face of a conflict. Mm -hmm. And um, what I've just learned through the years is that um, if you keep putting it off, it's just always there, and usually it bubbles up even more. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've learned just need to get to it as quickly as you can and not avoid it. Yeah, I think, um, I think there are times, you know, where we're called upon to overlook. Uh, that's part of the invitation, part of the grace, um, part of forgiveness. Um, and then, you know, there are times whenever we, uh, we can't, you know, we're, we're just avoiding or you know, it's something that can't be avoided and can't be overlooked. It's just going to get worse yeah. if you if you overlook it right. and if you try to avoid it. And um, it's hard to determine. Sometimes it's hard to determine which is which. I, I think for me, um, over the years, I, I think if it's a personal thing, if it's just me, um, then I want to I want to kind of check myself. I want to look at myself because um, first of all. You know, humility comes into that. Is it something that is it a real offense to me because of my pride, or hmm. because something else went on in my life? You know, is it something that that really is about me more than about them? And if but if it's a if it's something that affects like if it's in leadership or if it affects other people or family, uh, and it's something that you really can't afford to overlook, um, then avoidance is just going to make it worse. Hmm. And uh, like Ross said, we. We have that challenge um, when we know it's something that we can't, that has to be dealt with. Um, and then, you know, it has to be prayed about. And, uh, and the quicker and, and the more direct, for me anyway, the more direct method, uh, you know, is the course I usually take. Mm -hmm. So that's one tension. One tension is... Um, avoiding versus overlooking. I think another tension is how do I know the difference between I'm kind of stuck in this so I'm going to go seek some wise counsel and have somebody kind of talk me through how to do this well and I'm really just kind of gossiping, right? Um, how do I know when I'm maybe even baptizing my gossip with um, some language of... Um, 
well, I just, I just need some wisdom here. How do I know the difference between those two things? I would say first, seek somebody that you know that you really believe could be helpful and just not accommodating, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, and during the conversation, try to keep it more on the idea of resolution rather than uh, tearing the other person down That's or really something good. like that. Um, so I think during that conversation, the Holy Spirit could lead you in a way that directs you, okay, this is getting more gossip and not really doing any good. It's just tearing the other person down rather than looking for uh, ways to solve uh, the kind of problem. And um, So you just have to be careful in those areas. Yeah, I think, um, I think seeking counsel is particularly in in spiritual issues and in spiritual leadership and disciple making, I think seeking counsel oftentimes is good. Uh, you know, as long as, like Ross said, you know, you pray about what it is you're seeking. If it's just kind of a wondering conversation that can go anywhere, then, you know, that, that can get uh, a little um, non-profitable, can be unprofitable. So I think the idea is to have an idea of what you're, you're looking for, picking the right people. Uh, to seek it from, and then um, weighing the counsel in prayer, mm. you know where it's going. For organizational leadership, it, it can be it can be tough. I mean, the uh, threshold for getting something usable, if you're if you're leading an organization, is, is pretty high. So um, I think that that seeking counsel is good, and I think that. Um, you know, the result of that is something that has to be weighed prayerfully and spiritually uh, before it can be accepted as being useful. Um, it, it may be something that, you know, helps you, you know, process in the process of thinking and, and going through it. Something that helps you process along the decision, but, um, but it, it, it's something that has to be entered, I think, prayerfully. Yeah, I just, I think that there are people that we call when we want to be affirmed. And there are people that we call when we kind of really want to hear the truth or we really want, um, you know, we want to know maybe the next step. And so I think you have to be honest with yourself in that moment. Like, am I just calling someone who's going to just affirm what I'm thinking and make me feel better about myself? Or am I going to call the friend who I know it might be a little bit hard to hear what they have to say, but, like, they're going to encourage, like, they love me enough to say, like, yeah, you really do need to have this conversation. Um, and I think, too, if you're not going to be willing to do anything, like if it's just venting, like if I'm just calling to vent and have someone affirm me, um, then I'm, you know, like that's not going to be a profitable conversation. I think if you're calling because you're really saying, I'm stuck, I don't know how to handle this, I really do want to know, and you're willing to act on what you consider the wisdom, hopefully, from this person, then I think it's, um, it's a great option. Yeah, I think last time we were talking about this, the word that sprung to my mind, actually, when you... You said that uh, Ross and Dan and Steph did this at the last campus, and I said, remember everything that you said and said it exactly the same way. Um, but uh, Steph said, um, when she brought up this idea of affirmation, I think there's a difference between affirmation and encouragement because I think affirmation in this moment is like, you are right. That person is a big fat jerk, right? And let's talk together about how jerky they are, right? Like, let's pick apart their character flaws versus encouragement. Like, if you even think of that word, like, it's like cur comes from that word heart and like we're trying to put courage in someone's heart when we're doing this like we're trying to get them to get to the right place 
And if I'm talking to a person who isn't gonna help me have the courage to have that conversation, then it's probably not a conversation I should have sought out somebody else for. Yeah, and I think the only thing I would add, which I, I think Steph does a great job of, is I'm sorry that you're feeling this way, or I'm sorry that you're going through this situation, or I'm sorry that whatever, um, because you can be sorry for them feeling a certain way, but there's not a need um, if, you know, if to be sorry for your feelings, which has been something that has been tough for me. And I would also just add to this last question. Um, family, I feel like, is a general no. Like, if you have an issue with your brother, don't go to your cousin about that issue. Smart, wise. Um, you know, if you have an issue with your spouse, don't go to my family or their family. It's just, it's unfair to them in general um, to have an opinion on that situation. Um, but yeah, and because, is. like, if I'm mad at Steph and I tell my parents about it, like, I will eventually forgive her. My parents may not. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard for parents not to keep a record of wrongs against their in-law, their, their daughter or son-in-law, um, even in their best moments. It's just hard not to, and then you start to write a narrative about people. We didn't do this question last time, but I was interesting in this. So why is confrontation and, like, having these, like, leaning into these conversations, why is it worth it? I think I answered a different question a little bit like this, but I think um, a lot of times we live with fake harmony. We settle for the, the, the faux version of relationships. And so um, fake harmony requires that I just stuff my, my things and you just stuff your things, and, but then we don't really even know each other. Like there isn't really true intimacy. Like we're not really walking um, as like the body of Christ, like I think how Jesus envisioned it. And mm. so... I think um, to get to, to true harmony and true unity means that, A, there's going to be conflict because we're different. And if I'm really honest about how I feel and, and or even in, in just in living my life, I'm going to sometimes say or do things that are going to be hurtful or wrong. Um, and so if we can work through those things and have those conversations um, and really come to a better understanding of one another and, and experience love and forgiveness, um, then I think we can have harmony that we can't imagine and probably won't truly experience until heaven. Um, but I think that that's, to me, that's why it's worth it, is that it's worth it to know people, and I'd rather know and be known than just to kind of live in this fake place mm -hmm. of trying to keep everybody happy, which in reality, usually no one is happy because they can't really be who they are, so. You're so yeah. smart. And I think of, uh, I think of the quote, because I, this is, again, something that I'm, you know, I work through is, but what if I fall and the, the, I think the response from Jesus would be, but what if you fly? And so there's always a closeness, in my experience, that comes out of the confrontation or the mm. conflict um, on the other side that I couldn't have anticipated or expected. Um, and for that, I'm always grateful. I'm always grateful for. Um, it's, I think Kyle may have even said it um, two weeks ago or so, but instead of walking around, to walk through it. Because, you know, you, you experience something um, that brings um, a unity more so than I think you could have if you would have walked around it. And that's actually how we grow and mature. I mean, we go through situations. So not only facing a situation do you hopefully resolve it um, and restore a relationship or a good working situation or whatever, but in the process, you as the mediator grow and mature and so do the people if they're 
if they're challenged to grow and mature. And hopefully it's in a spiritual way, too, as well as just in the regular culture or world. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, in relationship, you know, restoration of relationship for sure, really, that's where Jesus lives. You know, he lives in that restoration. And um, re relationship is one of those things, one of those things that's different from most things. Uh, once it's repaired and restored, it's usually stronger than it was in the beginning. Hmm. And so w working through that is definitely worth it because you'll come out, I think, Jen like Jenna said, you come out on the other side um, better than before. And that really is the work of, of Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit. As we think about, I'm, I'm looking up a proverb. I feel like there's a proverb somewhere. Like, I mean, there's, I mean, seriously, but the book of Proverbs, I feel like is really rich in a lot of this. And I keep thinking, hearing this phrase about it, you'll like about winning people back. And but anyway, we'll figure that out later. But, oh, maybe that's in the New Testament stuff says. So I have a Bible degree. Um, so last question is, so I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about having a hard conversation and it makes me feel anxious. It makes me feel overwhelmed. What is a truth about God or a truth um, about ourselves that can help us lean into those conversations well? I think I briefly just touched on that, but I think that God is a God of peace and a God of unity. And so I think um, he's also a God, I mean, he's also a God that there is conflict, you know, like he engages in conflicts and stuff in the Old Testament so that people grow and, and, and all that. But um, so I think for me, that's the thing to push through and to know that like, um, Jesus uh, came to bring peace and came to bring unity. And so when we can push through that and leverage that, like we're, we're better for it, our church is better for it, and our relationships are better for it. I think that uh, God expects us to love one another. You know, it's not um, a suggestion. It's not something he'd like to see or that we have to wait to get to heaven to do. Um, he clearly says, I mean, the great commandment is that you love one another. So he expects us to love one another. Not only that, but he, he wants and expects the best for us. Mm. So, you know, when you're going into some confrontation or you're handling some conflict, um, if it's with a, with a specific person or a few people, whatever, um, I like to... I like to pray ahead of time about that and, and ask God to help me to see them the way he sees them because he sees each of us in the best possible light. You know, he sees the best in us always. And so when we go into that, his expectation is that we're going to love one another and that we're going to see each other in the best possible way. So you know, if we go into it with that in mind, prayerfully, then we can confidently expect that we're going to be successful, you know, that we're going we're gonna to handle that conflict and, and that the Holy Spirit's going to be with us uh, along the way. I mean, what can you add to that, really? That's what <laughs> I thought, yeah. Dan did that last year, so I was like, bam. But Ross is going to try. No? No, um, I, no? I always think for myself, I think of the verse in first chapter of Philippians and uh, verse 6 where he talks about God has begun a work in each one of us, and he will take it on to completion. And so for not only each one of us individually, but for others, God is about a work in them, and we're not all in the same uh, 
progress along the way. Mm -hmm. And so we need to allow uh, people to progress on their walk um, and just understand that. And, and so that's a great benefit when we look at things like that, knowing that God's about the work in each one of us. And, um, and he'll take every experience uh, and work them together, not only to our good, but to his glory. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, Ross did a good job at the last service, too. He pointed us to the book of James as a really helpful way to kind of just, ref I mean, that book is a lot about the tongue and these hard conversations. So I think that can be a really um, great resource. And, and I think, Ross, you've kind of hinted at it here, but he just said out loud last service, like, a restored relationship is worth a lot. It really is. A restored relationship is worth a lot. And that's really what we're shooting for. And And I don't... I think it feels like a restored relationship is kind of a relationship that is constantly being restored more than it is a place that you arrive at and stay in. Um, especially with our kids or our family, it's just, it's an ongoing process. Um, the people on our teams. And so I think that helps too. And, and, and my encouragement to you would be, um, you know, Paul's words in Philippians say that we have the mind of Christ. Um, you know, none of us up here, uh, are perfect, far from it, living examples, not perfect examples. And, um, you know, none of us have a higher measure of the Holy Spirit or of spiritual authority or spiritual power. We're learning all of these things. I mean, Dan said, well, last service, anybody could have been up here and we could all just talk about how we fumbled through this. And, um, uh, and I think that was actually the response when I was asking people at Regen, like, who's good at conflict? Everybody was like, not it. Like, <laughs> nope. And, um, but I think you have the mind of Christ and you don't, and, and Jesus is trying to download into us his character so that we know how to do these things. He's happy to do that. And so um, go ahead and take a second and either write down or type into your phone just something um, that you want to remember and we'll kind of get out of the way so we can go right into communion, okay? Kyle, one thing I think I didn't add that might be helpful to people because it was helpful to me. Somebody else had said it, but honestly, the hardest thing ever, ever, ever for me maybe something hard for you too, is listening. Like listening, whole new skill set. Just don't even have yeah. a whole yeah. another hour for that. No, no. Um, it's so. true. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and write that down and we'll kind of get situated here. twist. Jesus is inviting us into that work of reconciliation. And as Ross points out, it's not just that work of reconciling people back to God. That's a big piece of it, but even engaging in that reconciliation with each other. Uh, the book of Ephesians talks about two different groups in the church that just could not stand each other and had centuries of racial disdain for one another. And he says, 
Jesus Christ, he himself is our peace, who has broken down the wall of hostility that was between us so that we are now one in him. And even as we take communion together every week, part of the reason we do this is it even reminds us of our oneness in the Lord, that as we eat of the same bread and drink of the same cups, plural, uh, that Jesus is reminding us that we're part of his family and it's that belonging that we carry into those hot messes. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he offered it to his disciples and he said, take this, all of you, and eat it in remembrance of me. Allow it to remember you, to put you back together. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It washes away the hot mess and invites us all into the unity of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Um, And so the way we do communion, real simple, come forward, take a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, taste and see that the Lord is good. Can I have um, Jairus and Steph uh, and uh, young Dan? Come help me, please. And we pray that you would pour out your spirit on these gifts of bread and cup, that they might become for us the body and blood of Christ, that in the eating and drinking of them, we might be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood, poured out in ministry and reconciliation to all the world. Amen. The table is open. But there was this thing on the Christian internet sometime last year that kept saying, um, stirred, not shaken. It's a little James Bond pun. That's true. Listen, hot mess stirs us up and it jacks with us, but we're not shaken. Okay. Even if we feel shaken, that's, we're just stirred. And Jesus is with us in those. He goes with us into those conversations. And so may you find reconciliation and peace in the midst of the hot mess this week. Amen. Amen. We'll uh, see some of you. We're going to go into Discover here in a minute. But if not, we'll see you next week. Love you so much. We'll see you next time.